be seated. We are in the fifth week of a message series studying the Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5. And let's just do a quick review and look at uh, the nine verses. we got to wait, sorry, for the motion graphic. Okay. Uh, Look at the ones that we've already gone over. Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will see receive mercy. And that's the one we're looking at today. And these are spiritual principles that are at work in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus spent his uh, earthly life teaching and unpacking these and living them out. And he says if we'll take hold of them, that we will be truly blessed. So today we're looking at Matthew 5, 7. This is our memory verse, so let's read it together. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Matthew 5, 7. We'll receive, we've all received mercy, right? We've received mercy from God, and we're told that we'll be blessed when we allow that mercy to flow out to others around us. And as we read through the scriptures, uh, you see that mercy has primarily two expressions or two sides. Uh, There's the forgiveness side, where punishment's withheld for some wrong that's been done. Instead of um, requiring some kind of a payback, Mercy is shown, forgiveness is offered. And we've talked quite a bit about this over the last few weeks as we've talked about blessed are those who are poor in spirit and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They recognize their deep need, the depth of their sin, and when they turn to God for forgiveness, uh, in his mercy, he forgives them. And we're called to show mercy to others too, right, to forgive one another. But then there's the compassion side of mercy. And this is when you see someone in need and you show kindness, you do something. Um, you get involved in justice work or you provide food or clothing or a hug, whatever is needed, you do this for people out of compassion for them. We show mercy by caring for those who are hurting and in need. And Jesus calls us to be merciful in this passage. But the whole of Scripture is saturated with both pictures of God's mercy and Scriptures showing that mercy is essential to who God is. In fact, last week we looked at the Scripture from Matthew 5 that says, Be perfect as uh, your Heavenly Father is perfect. If you look at that same Scripture in Luke, it says, Be merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. Uh, It's essential to who God is. God is and to what God requires of us as his children. Uh, One of the most well-known passages on this is Micah 6. It says, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's Micah uh, 6, 8. And you know, we all know what it needs what it feels like to to need mercy because we've all messed up and needed forgiveness 
And we've all had those times when we lacked something that we couldn't provide for ourselves and needed mercy, whether, whether it was even just a word of encouragement. And God is merciful, and he calls us to show mercy to others. So what we're going to do this morning is look at a story that Jesus told of a person who showed mercy. It's one of the most well-known stories that Jesus told. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. We're going to read through this story and then talk about some characteristics of mercy. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles this morning, we're going to read all the way through this passage as we do on occasion. Uh, And so it's found in Luke 10. We're going to start in verse 25. It says, On one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Notice the motive there. He stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this, and you'll live. So, so this guy, he, he's an expert in the law. He sets, steps, steps forward to test Jesus' understanding of the scriptures. And he asks Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus, rather than answering the question, puts it back in his lap and says, what does the law of Moses say? And the expert answers, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your, uh, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this answer actually shows quite a bit of insight. And so Jesus says, good answer. You get an A plus. Do this, and you'll live. All's well. That's the end, right? No. Uh, the expert isn't satisfied. He's, he's not done with the test. And he asks Jesus a quibble question. And notice he has a motive here as well. He says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? See the motive uh, here? It says he wants to justify himself, rightly. He's trying to wiggle loose uh, because the teachers of the law were not known for their compassion. He may very well have known how many times his neighbor had broke the law in the last week, but it's unlikely that he had loved his neighbor. And if you look at uh, the gospel accounts of Jesus and the encounters and the encounters that he had with the teachers of the law and with the Pharisees, you often discover Jesus going toe-to-toe with these men because they were experts in knowing, but not so much in doing. And when it comes to mercy, doing matters, right? Um, how many remember the last episode of Seinfeld? Uh, it was a huge deal, and I remember it because we were in seminary in Kentucky at the time. That was 20 years ago, so that's, I didn't realize it's been that long since uh, Seinfeld was over. But anyway, so I stray. Um, anyway, <laughs> he's, uh, the last episode was such a big deal that one of the theaters there in Lexington rented, uh, uh, showed it on one of their screens, and charged money to come and see the last episode with other Seinfeld fans. But uh, does anybody remember the theme of the last show? Well, Seinfeld and friends are in jail for breaking um, a small town's Good Samaritan law. Jerry and company had witnessed 
a heavy man being held up at gunpoint, his car was stolen, and instead of helping the victim, they made fun of him. They, they heckled him because of his weight. And consequently, um, when the police officer shows up, they're arrested for breaking the town's law that required that citizens offer some kind of help if it's at all possible. So during the trial, several characters are brought forward as, uh, to, and they recall story after story, uh, which are actually highlights from past episodes of Seinfeld, revealing that this is not just a one-time for, event for them. Rather, this is um, how Seinfeld and friends lived their lives. This was the kind of neighbors that they were. And they use these flashbacks as a vehicle to remember the past years of Seinfeld show. And you might imagine if you were able to go back in this religious expert's life and capture little vignettes and flashbacks of his life that you would find the same kind of story, uh, that you would discover story after story where he, keeping the law, um, took precedence over being merciful and compassionate. And we would likely find the string of excuses and bypassed opportunities to really care for and love his neighbor. And Jesus sees this man's heart. He knows where he's going with the question. So he tells him a story. It's found in Luke uh, 10, starting in verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So here's this, uh, this bleeding man, unconscious, at least not able to move. And down the road comes a priest. Uh, today it might be a Baptist minister, might be a Methodist minister. In Jesus' story, it's a Jewish priest. And he sees the mess, and he passes by on the other side of the road. And then a Levite comes along, a trustee in the church, a good, decent sort of guy. And he goes around the victim as well. And maybe he saw his pastor go around, and so he decides, eh, if he's going to leave him, I'm going to leave him too. Maybe he and the pastor had a meeting, and he was, was going to be late. So he just uh, goes around the man. He doesn't have time for the guy. But all's not lost for the poor man. Look at verse 33. But a, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you any extra expense you may have. So then Jesus says to the religious leader, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So along comes another man, and uh, 
this guy is a despised Samaritan in the eyes of Jesus' listeners, and every Jew, good Jewish person knew there was not a glimmer of hope that uh, this passerby would do any different than the first two. But it turns out that the Samaritan is the hero in Jesus' story, and he helps the man. He's filled with pity. He loads him on his donkey, takes him to the Radisson or the nearest Holiday Inn, and cares for him. And when Jesus asks the question, which of these was a neighbor to the man left for dead, there's only one way any decent person could answer. To pretend that he didn't get the point of Jesus' story would have revealed a very stubbornly uh, sick heart. So while the expert can't bring himself to say the Samaritan, he does say the neighbor is the one who showed him mercy. Our hearts are the target of Jesus' teaching. Jesus rejects the question, who is my neighbor, and instead substitutes the question, to whom will I be a neighbor? And if you look at the story of the Good Samaritan in the context of the lawyer's question, who is my neighbor, then you discover that the parable or the story that Jesus told isn't just teaching us that we should help other people. Uh, the parable is also about excuses. It's about self-justification. The lawyer is trying to get free of any responsibility for caring for those around him. And you know what? This isn't just a lawyer's problem. Uh, we struggle with this ourselves. We often justify ourselves for not helping others. So what I'd like to do in the time that's left is to look at the characteristics, uh, three characteristics of those who are merciful. They're there in your message notes if you want to pull those out. And the first is that they both see and respond to needs. Uh, all three of the men who passed by that day saw the need of the injured man, but only one showed mercy. Only one did anything to help him. The others saw, but they either made excuses or they lacked the compassion to actually do something. And <clears throat> we can be torn in the same way when we encounter people with needs. And I want you to think out loud with me for a minute. What are some of the excuses that we might make for not helping others or not showing mercy? What's that? Too busy. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Oh, I don't want to catch what he's got. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get involved. You don't know where, where it's going to lead, right? You don't want the money, right? Okay. Okay. These are, yeah, I hadn't thought of a lot of these. These are good. <laughs> a big one for me is I'm not really sure they need help, right? Uh, how many of you have seen those guys on the corners with the cardboard signs, right? It says they're homeless or they've got some story and um, they make some kind of appeal. And if we knew for certain that they honestly needed help, we'd be much more likely to help them. Um, it would be helpful if everyone was as honest as this guy that my sister-in-law saw on their way to Grand Rapids last week. I just need a beer. <laughs> At least you know what he wants, you know. He's not pretending. 
And you know, we need wisdom and discernment when showing mercy. But most of the time, we need to ditch the excuses and put love in action. Do something to help the hurting. And it's easy to have the intention to do something helpful for someone and then not to follow through on it. But good intentions don't help people. Uh, we talked about this before, but sometimes we choose not to respond because we can't do everything that is needed. And we feel like we can't make any significant difference. Because we can't do everything, we decide to do nothing. And maybe you can't give a homeless person a home, but you can give them a meal that will get them through another day. Maybe you can't heal a broken heart, but you can send a card or make a call that will, that will help them have hope. Mercy does something rather than nothing. And today or tomorrow, as you go through your week, uh, if you're going to make yourself available to God, you'll need to recognize when you're making excuses not to be merciful and then take action. The merciful respond to needs. And then number two, they overcome fears and take risk to extend mercy. Uh, helping the beaten man meant taking a risk. The, there's the 17-mile road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And it was such a dangerous stretch because there, it was narrow. There were caves along the way, and robbers hid there, and they would attack people. It was actually known as the Way of Blood. That was the name of it. So Jesus' story rings true to his listeners. They were like, yeah, that could happen on that road. I've been there. And the Good Samaritan in Jesus' story stops even though his life may be at risk. And there will be times when helping puts us at risk. I'm not talking about picking up hitchhikers or taking sandwiches to a dark alley by yourself at, at night. Uh, when helping puts us in that kind of danger, we need to use wisdom and find ways to reduce the risk. But most of the time, our fears are more along the lines of being afraid that we'll be taken advantage of or afraid that if we give to someone else, we won't have enough for ourselves. And, you know, great mercy uh, may require great risk. Has anybody seen the movie Molly? Um, it tells the story of this man who, as a child, was abandoned. Uh, his parents left him. He was an orphan in Kenya. And so he just had to make his way in life. And somehow he was able to become one of the richest men in Kenya. But he never forgot what it was like to be an orphan. And so at one point in his life, he gave away, he, he uh, sold his business, took all the money, and he started adopting orphans. And at first he started with three. And then uh, over the years, they have helped 12,000 orphans. Uh, currently, there's 2,000 in their family. And he's really just taken some amazing risk to do this. I mean, he had to go, he goes into the worst neighborhoods, finds these children that are huddled all by themselves and brings them home. Um, he has to, the risk of, you know, uh, drug dealers or that or drug druggies that are there in those neighborhoods. Uh, he brings these kids home and you know with the lice and everything else that comes with that uh, just amazing amounts of risk but also God has done amazing things through them 
because he was willing to take this step of faith and to show mercy in that way. To show mercy, we have to overcome fears and sometimes be willing to take risks. And then number three, those who are merciful make sacrifices for others. Often uh, when we want to help someone, it will require some kind of sacrifice, whether it's time or money. The Good Samaritan uh, didn't use his schedule as an excuse. He took the time, and he made a financial sacrifice as well. And if you read between the lines on this scripture, you see on the scripture, okay, uh, where he puts the man on the donkey and he takes him to the inn. And then he gives the, the innkeeper some money and says, I'll, I'll pay you back when I come back through. He's obviously been this route before. The innkeeper knows him and he trusts him. And two silver coins in that day was two days' wages. And even though um, the Samaritan, he is willing to make these uh, um, this sacrifice for this man. And you all know how much those little mini bars can, <laughs> in the hotels can cost, too. So this week, you'll have the opportunity to show mercy. You'll face some kind of challenge that the Good Samaritan had. And you'll have to decide if you're going to pass by or help, if it's worth the risk, if you're willing to make sacrifices to show compassion. And maybe it'll even be somebody that other people don't feel like deserves any help. I like this quote by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, this, uh, who, by the way, was someone who showed mercy to save other people's lives. It says, The merciful will be found consorting with publicans and sinners, careless, and shame, uh, careless of the shame they incur thereby. In order that they may be merciful, they cast away the most priceless treasure of human life, their personal dignity and honor, for the only honor and dignity they know is their Lord's own mercy, to which alone they owe their very lives. Diedrich Bonhoeffer. So let me close with a question. If you were the person in need, would you want yourself as a neighbor? Would you want yourself to be the one to show up on the scene? Jesus said to those, that those who show mercy will be shown mercy. Let's pray. Lord God, we uh, thank you for the ways that you have shown mercy to us, both in forgiving our sins and just daily, God. We, every good gift comes from you, and we thank you for the mercy that you've shown us in providing for our daily needs, for caring for our hurting hearts, for comforting us when we experience loss. And we just thank you that you're a merciful God. And we pray that you'll help us to reflect that and to make that known and visible to others. Help us, God, to be merciful as you are merciful. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.